us in worship today. Oh, man, uh, we already had an incredible first service, and now um, we got we got every chair out, and so I know that you guys are in here, but um, I also want to say to the overflow, we are sorry we didn't have a chair in here, and we are going to make some adjustments in the future, so can we give it up for the people that are watching in the overflow? I want them to feel like they're part of the service um, over there. Um, yeah, we have some good problems to have, good problems to have, um, like maybe a third service um, or a third service on baptism. Center. I don't know what, uh, but I do apologize uh, to all those uh, that we did not have room in the inn. And so we will, we will correct that. Um, but uh, today we are having Baptism Sunday. This is a record uh, baptism. So this is why we built this house, church. This is what we get to do and that we get to be a part of it is such a privilege. Um, for those of you that might be new to church, um, what is baptism? Uh, baptism is a, a wide-ranging thing amongst denominational churches. Um, but if you dive into your Bible, you'll find that whenever people accepted Christ, it was a personal decision. So that's something that you need to know about, that whenever you uh, come to the age where you can reason, like what is sin and then what is the solution to sin, um, you'll find that the Bible says that Jesus is the solution. He's the only solution, the only way we can solve our sin problem. And so um, you can't go to heaven on your parents' faith. That's something that you must decide. And so when a person comes to the age that they can reason and then they can choose Jesus and choose what he did for them, then they accept Christ. That's a personal decision. And then baptism, always in the Bible, followed after that personal decision to accept Christ. The public decision then is an outward manifestation. And the easiest illustration that I can use, which was told to me by a parent that their son is getting baptized today, he was like, you know, uh, Pastor Tim was talking about putting on the jersey. So whenever you're a free agent and you go sign with a team, once you sign on the contract, you are now a part of that team. You, if you will, belong to that team. But when you put on the jersey, it was an outward manifestation of the contract that you already signed. You're saying, now I want the world to know whose team I'm on. And this young uh, child said to his, his dad, he said, you know, I, I'm just not sure everybody knows I'm on Team Jesus and I want them to know. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. That's what it's all about. And they remembered something that I taught them about baptism. That's... That's when you feel great. Um, and so when you can get um, young people to even relate to truth, I think that we're, we're winning. And so uh, today we're going to be using a story um, called Naaman. Uh, and he was a character in the Old Testament. Uh, I say character, he was a person. Uh, but he was a soldier and he had leprosy and God was able to heal him. And this is the story that we're going to unfold. But for you, on a practical level, I want you to begin thinking that your problems, um, that God oftentimes, he may not be causing, um, the world has fallen, it's in sin, so we have problems, but God is not necessarily causing those problems. 
but he is using those problems and he's trying to move you towards solutions that are real, um, that can save you, that can heal you. And, and so sometimes we are drowning in our problems, but it's because we're refusing to allow problems to lead us to truth. And so we'll get into that in just a moment. So whenever you're thinking about your life today and your decisions, uh, we've been going through this series called Something is About to Happen. And obviously, uh, when we started it, uh, we knew that we were going to be baptizing. We didn't know how many, but isn't it great that we were able to move in in October and now we're having uh, 65 plus. I saw someone signed up this morning, so I don't know how many we're baptizing today, but I know that it is more than we've ever baptized on a Sunday morning and God is good. And we are all about celebrating mile markers of faith in your life and your family's life. So if you came today to celebrate one of your loved ones or friends getting baptized, thank you uh, for joining in that culture of celebration. But in the meantime, maybe God uh, might be having a message uh, prepared for you as well. So without further ado, uh, we'll get into it. And this is going to be everyone's favorite sermon uh, because it is going to be a short sermon, uh, because it takes about a minute to baptize each person, so it's going to take a while at the end. Okay, so uh, it says, Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Syria. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given a victory to Syria. And that's a little sub-theology there. God is using even imperfect pagan tools to accomplish his will um, because God can do stuff like that. And so um, it says he was a valiant soldier, and, but he had leprosy. He says, now bands of Syria had gone out, so this is more like you know pirates, if you will, um, had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he could cure him of his leprosy. Uh, first question I want us to consider today is what happens when the commander finds something or goes up against something, faces something that he can't conquer? What happens when the commander that has won this incredible victory finds something, faces something that he can't conquer. And in this area, in this region, this North Metroplex, Prosper, Frisco, Little Elm, any Plano, any, anywhere up here in the North Dallas, there are so many conquerors, man. I mean, there are commanders left and right. If we looked at all the CEOs and VPs and everything else that are just sitting in this audience today, we would be astounded. And I think that sometimes, though, we might equate our professional success, that it's going to equal a lack of problems. But has anyone else figured it? I mean, has anyone got to the place like, have you, has anyone not had any problems? It's like, did you get, like when you became VP or president or became the proprietor, like when you made principal, like did, did that make all your problems go away? Is they, they just disappeared? Like you never fight with your wife ever? Like your, your kids are angels? Like as soon as you arrived at this professional level, all the problems went away. Have you noticed it doesn't work like that? Has anybody else noticed? Like it doesn't matter what level you attain to in your professional life. Here was this soldier that had risen all the way to the top of his food chain in his professional life. But as a result of his personal health, all of the accolades that he had accomplished 
We're now not valuable because if you have all of this and you don't have your health, then is it possible that sometimes we might be chasing after things? That if we get to the top, if we arrive at the very pinnacle of the thing that we're chasing after, be careful, be careful. Because if you get all the way there, but then you don't have your health, you won't even be able to enjoy it. And it's because that's the top of this life. The top of this life without God, the top of this life is that you attain worldly success, that you amass amounts of money, that you can have a big house, that you can go anywhere, you can wear certain clothes, whatever it is. You, that is the top of the game. But if I take your health, then you have all of that and you won't be able to enjoy it. Could I suggest to you a better way? Could I suggest to you, my, my tablet started thinking I was voice typing there for a second. <laughs> that freaked me out. That's never happened before. That was strange. It looked like someone's typing on my tablet. I was like, stop. Anyway, <laughs> you could be at the top and we make the mistake that we think this is about the life down here. When really our life is supposed to be about the life that is forever our eternal life. And if we're about that, then it changes our priorities. It changes how we operate because we can enjoy this life now, but we can know that we're going to enjoy life forever because at some point, all of our health is going to fail. At some point, we're all going to pass away and it won't matter. It won't matter what you did on this world. It'll, be matter, it'll matter what you did for the king. And so I want to encourage you to just start thinking about what are, what are your priorities? What are you aiming at? And then I want us to see that sometimes we think problems are something to be avoided. But what if I told you that problems can push us to seek answers? So <clears throat> I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had a problem push you? <laughs> right? Like whenever you're at work, you'll find that some of the greatest things that you accomplish are because a problem arose. And that problem exposed a weakness. And then as a result of your pursuit of solving that problem, it allowed you to grow in an area. It allowed you to broaden. You had to realize you needed a different teammate to accomplish something. Whenever it comes to your marriage, I promise you, no one in here ever got married and arrived at the day that they did not have problems. And the church said, amen. Like the Bible says, the two shall become one. All right. And that is a collision, all right? Because we say that and everybody's like, oh, look at that. No, no, no. All of you and all of them can't fit inside that circle, right? There's a lot of your ego and a lot of your selfishness, a lot of the way you were raised that you have to check in order for this unity to occur. And that collision of the two becoming one, it takes years. It takes years, maybe even decades to finally figure, and I'm not saying, Carrie and I have been married almost 30 years, and I, we fight like we are newlyweds sometimes. Anybody, anybody, like, you know, and it's over nothing. The, 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 the benefit, though, of being married a long time is that at some point the reset just naturally occurs, and you're like, yeah, that's not even worth it anymore, you know? It's, a, it's like you move on. Like when you're young married, you think like, no, we have to solve this, and then eventually you're like, nah, it doesn't really matter. Just, just move on. Anyway, um, I just wanted you to begin thinking that those problems, though, they're designed to push you, like push you to grow, push you towards truth. And sometimes we're not letting the problem push us. We're not letting it 
take us to the place that God intends for us. And not only does the problems push you to find answers that you wouldn't otherwise search out, it also we want problems to propel us to move to a different place. See, for, for Naaman, the problem solution was not where he was at. It was over there. And so there was a movement that had to occur. Sometimes we have to travel in order to find truth. Now, that might not be physical travel, but where you're at in your mental state, where you're at in your emotional state, where you're at in your spiritual state, sometimes God is saying, I want to use this problem to reveal to you that you're going to have to move. You're going to have to move a different location inside your heart. You're going to have to move from hate to love. You're going to have to move from anger to peacefulness. You know, you're going to have to move from someone who is pushy to possibly someone who is more kind and considerate. And if you allow God to propel you, he'll move you to different places in your mindset. Some of you today, you're sitting in here and you're like, man, I'm, after I met Jesus, I am nowhere close to what I used to be. And if that's what a problem does, problems inside of sin propel us to say, there must be something bigger. There must be something better. I know that, that this can't be all that there is in life. And so I want to ask you this question. Are you listening to the people that God is providing? Because when you see that Naaman, it says that there was this, uh, essentially a slave that was in his house, an Israelite, and it's wild how God works, right? This girl gets captured. She gets brought back to this house. The commander of the house, Naaman, has an incurable disease, leprosy. And this girl who could just be embittered by her life circumstances still wants to help. And it's, it's so wild to me how God provides voices to us in the midst of our problems that are these intersections. I would call it an, a, voice, a voice intersection, an interaction, whatever you want to call it. And there's a voice that calls out to us. So it'd be like today. You came in for a baptism. You came in just to see your friends, support them. But all of a sudden, you're sitting there in a service, and God has provided an interaction that was unexpected. And I wonder sometimes, are we listening to the voices that God is providing? See, whenever the skeptic wonders, like, how is it fair for God to judge the world? God is able to use these pagans that went and kidnapped a person and brought them back, made them a slave, and now that slave is actually the voice that is going to give them the truth that's going to set them free. God knows how to get truth to you. It's not a matter of whether truth is getting to you. The question is, are you listening to the truth that you have been given? And so this morning you're sitting here in this audience and you're hearing about a guy who had a problem and he had a problem that was so big he couldn't fix it. And it didn't matter how powerful he was, he didn't have a solution. And maybe you have some problems. Maybe you have some issues. Maybe you have some things that you've worked on but you've never been able to cure. Is it possible, is it possible that maybe the truth is getting to you but is it that you're not listening you're not allowing problems to propel you, to push you towards truth. Because if you're stubborn, guess what? You're going to be stuck. And then six weeks from now, six months from now, six years from now, you'll wander back in this place. And you'll be in the exact same place that you were. And it won't be because truth didn't get to you. 
right? It's because you didn't allow truth to transform you. So here is Naaman in a predicament. He has an incurable disease, something he can't fix. And now the answer is somewhere that he's never been. Let's see how it turns out. It says that the king of Syria sent him with $3 million worth of gold, silver, and garments as a tribute to the king of Israel and to the prophet of Israel if they could, in fact, heal him. Um, It says, as soon as the king of Israel read this letter that was sent from the king of Syria, he tore his robes and said, am I God? Now, this king of Israel was not a godly king. And his, his, uh, his uh, interpretation of this situation was that he was being goaded. He said, can I kill and bring back to life? Which is odd, right? Because the God of Israel is the only God who can kill and bring back to life. And he's saying, am I God? He's not God. Anyway, so he says, why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? He said, this is an impossible situation. See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? Here is the king. So you have a commander, Naaman, who was unable to conquer, but now you have a king who has all the power of human position, and yet he's powerless in this situation. So you have a king that can't help and a commander that can't conquer. And I just know that I have to preach to someone in here today to tell you that there are some things in life that you will never, ever, ever be able to fix. You can't fix those things. You can't cure those things. And that there is a God that is bigger than you, that is quite capable. But here this king throws his hands up in the air and says, you're putting me in an impossible situation. And I think that the king was trying to say that he was expected to be the solution. And sometimes you're expecting yourself to be a solution to a problem that you can't fix. And so that's you trying to insert yourself into the story. So Naaman was sent off to the prophet, and it says he stopped at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry, and he said, I thought, this is what his expectation was, so for all my people that come into church, and you want the preacher to solve all your problems, to wave his little sermon wand and solve all your problems. See, I'm going to make this personal. Now you just listen. Listen for a moment to what Naaman said. He said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over his leprous spot and cure me of my disease. That was his expectation. And then he says, Do we not have two rivers in Syria that are better than this Jordan River? So the Jordan River was, you know, a lot like Lake Louisville, all right? Like, would you want to go bathe in Lake Louisville? Would you want to drink out of Lake Louisville? I don't think you should, okay? You might come down with leprosy, all right? (laughs) By the way, I did a deep dive on leprosy this week, and it is a strange disease. Uh, It still exists in the world, and the only way that you can catch it is two ways. You have to be in proximity to someone who has leprosy for a very long time. And when they sneeze or cough, it's thought, they don't know yet, it's thought that over a prolonged period of time. Now, I don't know who you're hanging out with that's sneezing and coughing all over you for months, but that was number one. Now, number two, very interesting, um, if you handle an armadillo. Just think about that. 
They've narrowed it down to two ways. And West Texas is in trouble, okay? <laughs> if you've handled an armadillo months later, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, that's, that just seems strange to me. Um, so it says that he was very upset and he had an expectation. And then his servant, we need friends like this in our lives. Listen, his friend said to him, my father, if the prophet had told you to come and do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? Not what you wanted, but what you needed. Not what you wanted, but what you needed. Why should you come to church? You should want to hear what you need, not what you want. If I was a preacher that told you what you wanted, you should never go to my church. You should never go to that church. Because when people preach truth, truth is naturally divisive. Did you know that? If I say to you any truth statement, you immediately have to ask yourself, are you on this side of truth or are you on that side of truth? Truth divides. It's just naturally what it does. And so if a person could get up and preach in such a way that it's platitudes that never make you have to decide where you're at, then you could be comfortable in a place that is killing you. So we want to preach a truth that allows you to be enlightened. We want to preach a truth that sometimes is difficult to accept. But we also want you to be prepared and we want you to have solutions to problems. So here, Naaman is given a task of obedience. Go dip yourself in the river seven times. And his first thought process was, you did not meet my expectation. I wanted to do some great heroic thing. He's a soldier that won a battle, that became a commander. He's like gladiator. Y'all understand? He's like Russell Crowe. He's in the arena chopping people's heads off. And now this guy wants me to go dip seven times in a dirty river. Like his expectations were up here. And now the man of God, even though he gave him the answer that he needed, he was disappointed. Why? Now let's, let's watch this. This is going to be my best statement of the day. So take note. He wanted to write himself into the story. See, that was his temptation. See, if it's something great, then I get to be part of it. I get to do, and then I get part of the glory, and I get to share in the story. But see, God was saying, no, I, I will save you. You just have to do what I said. Be obedient. When it comes to us and how we reflect this now, in the gospel, grace for some people is too easy. That we could just be saved by grace through faith and accept what Jesus did at the cross, it's too easy. I want some type of faith where I get to write myself into the story. Where I get to do great deeds and, and I get to maintain even my salvation by my good works. And then when I get to heaven, all my good's going to equal more than my bad. And somehow I write myself into the salvation story. Can I help you this morning? You are never going to be good enough to be saved. The Bible says because of our sin, we're always like Naaman. We are leprous. We have an incurable disease called sin. And our bad far outweighs our good, even if you're the best. It says our righteousness is like filthy rags. So the hero in the story should always be Jesus. Jesus 
did the living. Jesus did the dying. And Jesus rose again. He is the answer to every problem. And so we just have to obey that truth. And that's how we, like Naaman, can be saved. But so many times man makes it more complicated. And when man makes it more complicated, it's usually the desire to put themselves into the story. Now, if I meddle inside of your life for just a little bit, if you'll give me permission, what are you holding on to that God says, if you'll just accept my grace, we could let that go? If you would just accept my grace, then you could get through that thing. You could get over that thing. But we wrap our arms around it and we say, no, I've, I've had this. I've had, I've had this vendetta. I've had this grudge. I've had this victim mentality all my life. I've had this addiction all my life, and I, can't, I don't think I could define myself without it. See, grace is too easy. But just as easily as God gave you grace that you didn't deserve, what if you gave grace to other people that they didn't deserve? Wouldn't you end up being free as a result of the grace that you gave? I'm just saying, maybe sometimes it's too easy because you're making it too hard. So he went out and he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan River. And when he came up, he was like clean, like his skin, like a young boy. He like found the fountain of youth. See some of you, you've been looking for it. You got to go dip in the Lake Louisville in the name of Jesus. No more Botox. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Anybody that has Botox, I know my audience. Okay. Um, then Naaman and all of his attendants went back. To, somebody's going to send me an email. Are you against Botox down there at Genesis Metro? Um, then Naaman and all of his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and he said, now I know. And this is what I want for everyone today that's getting baptized that there is no God in all the world except Israel. For your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other God but the Lord. Sometimes the thing isn't the thing. You see, he thought it was about the disease, but it was really about a decision. That problem pushed him and propelled him. He listened to the voice of truth that was extremely unlikely, and he followed it. And then he got to the man of God and he heard a message that he didn't like. That his natural predisposition was to reject. And yet he pushed through his personal issues and submitted himself, obeyed the man of God, obeyed the word of God. And then as a result, he was healed not only of his physical disease, but he was healed of his spiritual division from God. And he said, now... As a result of being on the other side of the water, I'll never live the same, and I'm going to live with a singular focus to follow after God's will for my life. So what we're celebrating here today is that we want in a similar fashion everyone that goes through these waters to say I'm living with singular focus, that I want to please God, that I want to bring glory to God, that I want to share God's grace with a lost and dying world that I want to live, not perfectly, I'll still struggle, but I'm going to struggle aiming my life at the one true thing, that the only God in all of the world is the God of the Bible, is the God of Israel. And his name in the New Testament that was revealed to us 
is Jesus. And that it was always about Jesus. It will always be about Jesus. And if you put on the jersey some time ago, and maybe this morning you're sitting in here lost in your problems. Maybe those problems have propelled you to this moment of truth. And maybe I can be that small voice pointing you toward the God that can save, that can heal, that can restore, that can redeem. And maybe today it's time for you to get back on track. A lot of times we have these moments of awakening where we say, you know what? Our family needs to get back in church. Our marriage needs to get back on track. Maybe for some of you, it's never been on track. And maybe you've never been involved in a Christian community. Maybe that's a commitment that you'd make. So you came here for a baptism. But maybe, just maybe, this was God's voice to you in the midst of your chaos. That there is a way. There is a way out. And his name is Jesus. We're going to pray at this time. And I'm going to dismiss the baptismal candidates to get ready. And if you... um, have accepted Christ, and you would also like to get baptized today. I think we have some clothes that you can borrow, or you could just get baptized in your clothes, man. You know, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to get wet. Um, so uh, you can go talk to one of our people outside, and they will help you. Um, if you're in the overflow uh, and you want to get baptized, just go out those doors and talk to those people. Let's give it up for the overflow people one more time, please. <laughs> Also, they have been invited during the baptism uh, to join us uh, if they came to see one of their friends baptized. So it will be kind of standing room only in just a little while. Um, We're going to have a time of reflection. We want to take this moment. And if you um, want to celebrate that you are on Team Jesus, we want you to worship with us. Would you guys stand as we worship?